and welcome to the Nitty Gritty Reviews podcast. Today we're going to be talking about the 2002 Academy Award winning film, The Hours, and I have with me here today as a guest co-host, my friend Em. Hello. Uh, so this movie is directed by Stephen Daldry and is written by David Hare and is starring Meryl Streep, Nicole Kidman, and Julianne Moore. So this is going to be a nitty gritty review of this movie, which means we're going to be going through every category of the uh, Gritty Reviews grid rating system. And we're going to be talking about what works and what doesn't and you know, what we really like, maybe some things we don't like as much. Um, so I'm really excited. This was actually the, the first time I had ever seen this movie. It was one you had recommended. Um, so I'm really excited to get uh, delving in. But before we do that, um, well, first of all, I wanted to know um, maybe just the, the first time you had seen it or just, uh, you know, some, you know, maybe the reason why you suggested it for, for the podcast. I don't remember when I first saw it. I just remember putting it off for the longest time because it just seemed like one of those movies with a bad reputation but then yeah. I looked into it, like, oh, no, this is, like, getting decent reviews. And, yeah. I, I felt the same way. I was looking through, not to jump way ahead, but I was looking at some some reviews uh, for, for filling out the grid purposes and was really surprised at, at so many. I figured critic reviews would be pretty good, but the audience reviews were actually better than yeah, the critic yeah. reviews in a lot of sites, um, which really surprised me. Yeah. So there was a while where you couldn't go anywhere without hearing a joke about the nose. Yeah, that was definitely um, probably one of the only things I knew about this movie going into it. I don't even think I knew it was about Virginia Woolf for a really long time. <laughs> it was just Nicole Kidman and her favorite friend across that nose. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I knew she was like playing somebody. And of course, going into it, I knew. But like when the movie, I mean, well, the movie came out in 2002. I was 14, 15, something like that. Yeah, Mad TV was still on the air. <laughs> they were doing skits about it. I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> I mean, everybody was talking about it. There's like a whole multi-episode story arc on Arrested Development that revolves around the nose. So. That's right. <laughs> Good times. Yeah, so figured it needed some redemption, but doesn't really, yeah. but... <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, so I also wanted to ask, speaking of Virginia Woolf, uh, before we get uh, too much into this movie, um, so what did you know, um, or, or what do you know, I guess, about Virginia Woolf? Have you ever read any of her of her books, or is it more of a, an interest in, or do you have an interest at all? Um, you know, is it just her as a person, or... Because I, I, I know almost nothing about her, and I'm probably going to come off as, as sounding pretty dumb throughout this review because I didn't I had to google the plot of uh Mrs. Dalloway yes thank you uh now I'm Dalloway I I think (laughs) no no (laughs) no I probably know less than you about okay so so that makes me feel better it's, it's a good match here okay yeah all I really know is she wrote a bunch of books yeah and she was friends in some capacity with Lita Sackle West. Yeah. If I'm saying that name right. And I think so. Yeah. And that's, I had no idea like where she was from or like if she was a like, East Coast or England, apparently England. Yeah, I had no, for some reason I kind of thought maybe she was American. I mean, this. I also thought that for 
an embarrassingly long amount of time. I didn't even know she was an author. I thought that she was a fictional character who was afraid of Virginia Woolf. That's fair. <laughs> I mean, it's not like that. I thought that yesterday, but into <laughs> my teenage years, I thought that, which is not great. No, like that was probably my first introduction was like these pieces that discussed her. It wasn't necessarily her own work. Yeah. But like the, the movies about her or things that referenced her. Yeah. Very, very specific, I know. <laughs> I, uh, I will say I quote unquote read one of her books in college. Um, I was assigned to read uh, To the Lighthouse. Uh, clearly, it didn't leave much of an impression on me. I really, it was not my cup of tea. Um, I, like I said, I quote unquote read it. And by that, I mean, I read the first chapter begrudgingly and then just attended the lectures and took notes so that I knew what was going on and I don't even think I read spark notes on it or anything I just was not having it um so yeah that's pretty much I never even read uh like at high school went to the same high school it was always senior year read who's afraid of Virginia Woolf and I dropped out before my senior year I got my GED so I didn't even (laughs) get that introduction um yeah, my senior english class was basically a shakespeare only class oh so yeah we didn't we didn't get that part in, in history <laughs> i don't yeah. think shakespeare and virginia wolf's timelines overlapped too much yeah not quite not quite <laughs> <laughs> all right well i think that's a, a pretty good introduction of where we're at as far as our uh knowledge of Virginia Woolf, I guess. Um, so on that note, uh, should we delve into the grid or was there anything else you wanted to talk more generally about before then? I feel like everything I made notes of, we're going to fall into other categories. And I'm, okay. I'm like trying to like bite my tongue to like not get like jump the gun. <laughs> All right, fair enough. All right, so that, that will bring us to the first category. That's going to be writing, plot, and genre. This one, definitely the, the lowest score for me within this one, which... Might not necessarily be a fair thing to score it so low, but I just gave uh, for for genre, um, the genre cliches, tropes, and twists category. I just gave it a five out of ten, uh, which is mostly because this movie doesn't quite fit. I mean, it's a biopic sort of, um, so I guess it kind of falls into that category. It's a little bit of a melodrama, so I guess it falls a little bit into that genre, um, but it's not really a genre movie. It's really just a drama. Um, which isn't a bad thing. So I feel kind of bad for not, you know, giving it a higher score because it's a solid script and it does what it's trying to do very well. Um, But it just didn't, I don't know, it met my expectations in that that regard. Yeah, that was my lowest score for those as well. I went and gave it a 6.5. I liked the way it handled, um, what's her name, Laura Brown? Laura Dalloway. Jeez, I think so. Um, the Julianne Moore character. Yeah. I, I'm probably going to be referring to most of these characters by their actors' names because I'm awful with names. Yeah. Other than Virginia Woolf. <laughs> um, but she's not really a well-known actress, so <laughs> that's fair. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so Moore's character at the end when she's saying um, that she's, you know, she's supposed to say that she regrets abandoning, abandoning the kids and the husband. And she's like, no, but I don't. Right. <laughs> I like, I loved it. I'm like, yeah, because that's, that's a nice break from that. Usually you hear like, oh, I, I abandoned you and I'm so sorry. Right. But I like that she was like, no, my life was 
better. You're dragging yeah. me down. <laughs> yeah. But then on the flip side, I feel like we have seen the Richard character so many times before. Yeah. And I'm like, this was 2002, like maybe seven years, eight years before there was Philadelphia. And yeah. that was such a... If you're going to use an AIDS character in a movie like this, like you need to do it so right and so well. And it yeah. can't, it was just kind of, it felt lazy. Just yeah. like, I know what they were trying to go for, but it just didn't seem, it just felt off and almost exploitive. And... Yeah. I would agree with that. And, and even, um, I'm not quite sure if this, this is a movie where, uh, plot and genre and characters are going to really intertwine, I think. Um, so, I don't know, I'm hesitating where to put some of this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I definitely have some very strong feelings about uh, <laughs> about some of the characters. Um, but as far as, like, the, the plot structure of, like, what these characters are doing, um, just his whole, uh, like, the, the suicide scene where he jumps out the window, like, that's... I just don't know how I feel about the way that was handled yeah it was an interesting scene it's very thematic yeah but it just felt like this probably if he was a real person this probably wouldn't be the way he would want to do it exactly and just it was just a really odd juxtaposition like they were just both came across as really selfish characters and i don't mean that in a sense that like suicide is selfish because that's not that's not what's happening at all um but i mean that in the way of like like her character was presented in such a way that it was like like no i don't care about your needs at all you have to stay alive and like she even says at one point like the doctor said you can live like this for as long as you you know for for years and you know and i feel like there was the, there was a chance there for a, a deeper conversation or a deeper uh, exploration of this you know, theme of, you know, should people be allowed to, you know, like assisted suicide and all that kind of like there was there was potential to open up a conversation about like, okay, here's here's this social issue. Let's talk about it. Exactly. Like you mentioned, sure, like I can look forward to tomorrow and then a few hours after that and the hours after that. And it just kind of there's not a whole not a bright thing to look forward to it's just existing exactly um so i mean they definitely touch on it but then to have just the the choice of the way he decided to go just seemed so i don't know i got like i want to say theatrical but i don't know if that's quite the right like it just seemed like it was visually interesting to look at absolutely i mean like i said it was very thematic cringe yeah, just as far as like like here's this character who has this really tough decision and he know like he says throughout the movie constantly, like, I've been staying alive because of you. Like, you know, I know what it will do to you when I die. And I so I've been staying alive to prevent that. And then to go from that to like, and now I'm gonna jump out a window while we're in the middle of this really deep conversation and I know how much my death is gonna hurt you, like mm-hmm. it just came across as like why why would you choose that way and especially like he had like i thought for i was like well he's gonna just like take too much of his medication or something like they led up to that and then to have it go a different way like okay they subverted expectations which i guess is good but i just 
I just, I just. It was it, uncomfortable. It, just the way they did it. it yeah, just... and in a way that I don't think it opened up the conversation in a way that it could have. Like it could have been, and I feel that way in a lot of areas with this movie. Like especially, and this is where even more so than it, it all gets into character stuff too. But uh, this one probably more so. But the the Julianne Moore character. Laura, is that her name was? Laura, yeah. Um, so she, like, just her whole character, just, like, at times, I thought it was a, a phenomenal performance and really well written and really captured just as, as someone who had, like, I've had anxiety, I've had depression, like, I not to the severity that the characters in this movie have, but I definitely, you know, can, can relate to it from a personal experience of, like, yeah, I definitely have been in situations where I've been depressed and you put on a happy face and you don't want people around you to know and so like there was a lot of her performance that really resonated with me and then there was a lot of her performance that I think was also more so in the writing than with her performance where it just almost villainized her and just made her like like, it just seemed like something out of like a like a Stepford wife or something which I think there's it was intentional in that it's like well, yeah, there's this distance and there's an artificiality to people with depression because you're putting on a face. I think some of it was intentional, but I just don't think it did very much as far as starting a conversation about mental illness or depression or suicidal tendencies. I don't think it, I feel like it could have done a lot more. Absolutely. And one of the things that I was cringing at most, and I'm sure we'll get to that a lot later too, is when they're at the train station and I don't know his name, Mr. Wolf. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just like shouting at her. Her is Virginia. And yeah. it's just this really uncomfortable scene and it just feels out of place. And yeah, um, it was a lot of, there was a lot to unpack in that, what they were saying to each other, but it just felt like it was forced there um, yeah. in, in some version of it. And it was never smoothed out. And it's just a very, um, awkward handling of that kind of a conversation i agree yeah definitely felt like they're like oh yeah we forgot to let the audience know like what some of her symptoms are let's just have them shout them at her to remind her and like at times it kind of worked because it's like oh she's in denial and he's trying to bring her out of it but then it just didn't quite work like it was almost there and then it just got cringy and uncomfortable i think that's one of the first times in the movie too that you hear someone yell there's a lot of emotions going on throughout the movie, but I think that was the first time that someone actually like wrote, uh, raised their voice. I think you're right, yeah. And it like throughout the whole movie, you're seeing all these different caretakers and how they're suffering as well as the person with an illness. And there's an interesting, I guess, conversation going on right there in the script, but it just he came across as so unlikable and yeah. you might have those um you might want to yell at that person but it's like no like that's such a weird way to put it and right yeah like, what, what do you think you're going to accomplish with this conversation you know like just like is this helpful it's yeah i don't know where i'm going with this <laughs> i find myself with this movie, there, there's a lot of thoughts, and I'm having a little bit of trouble putting it all concisely into words. <laughs> and I will probably 
I feel like there's going to be some categories throughout the grid that I might adjust as we go, which I try not to do. Um, but I think especially because this was the first time I had seen the movie. And there's, I mean, obviously there's three separate storylines and, and just a lot of, of very heavy and very serious um, topics going on. Like there's just a lot to unpack. Um, I did think on a, on a little bit of a lighter note, I guess, I did think as far as like, plot structure goes mm-hmm. um i did really like the way the the way the three plots worked together i thought that was was really well done yeah it was just so beautifully weaved together absolutely and even sounds connected the the score yeah yeah connected the scenes together and i think there were a few like camera shots although quite a few of like in the beginning where they're all in bed and kind yeah, of like yeah 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 between all three of them yeah and it was just well uh well written that way absolutely yeah just very very seamless and very just flowed very very comfortably i guess is the word i'm maybe that's not quite the word i'm looking for but i guess i just didn't want to say seamlessly again <laughs> but it was very enjoyable, and it just, yeah, they're, they're, the conversations that they would have in one scene would work perfectly with the next scene, and the next scene, and the next scene, and it didn't feel like they were jumping between these three stories. They kind of gave you just enough in that story to make you ask, like, well, what's going to happen with this? Absolutely. And then they go to the next one, and they give you little pieces at a time, and yeah. I just loved that, because Besides the train station, there really weren't many scenes where they just unloaded a bunch of exposition. Yeah, yeah, I did think that the exposition was handled really well, um, just throughout the whole movie. And you just get little bits and pieces here and there. And it's still, like, I feel like there's still a lot of relationships where it's like, wait, what was going on between those two people here? Like, it's not... Like, we get enough, like, we know, like, okay, like, the uh, Meryl Streep character and Richard, like, like okay, when they were, like, teenagers, they they were a thing. But, like, okay, we get that, and, like, you kind of get, you know, little bits and pieces here and there of, like, okay, so this is their history, okay, but it's not, like, you know, it's not like they're sitting in a room together going, like, oh, remember that day at the beach? Well, I mean, I guess they do kind of do that. <laughs> that was a bad example, but, like, it's, it's not Mamma Mia. Exactly. (laughs) And it's just, you know, when they do, it feels very natural, but it's like, oh yeah, they're reminiscing and like, you know, it didn't feel like, I don't know. Like they weren't introducing people like, oh, this is my ex-lover, Richard. Like it wasn't clunky exposition like that, which was nice. It was very... And there were never like flashbacks, which I appreciated. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. They're like, we'll get to that. We'll figure, you'll see, you'll see. Yeah. That seemed to be something they could have easily done, but they just chose to like say either a few words about something in the past, or there was a look on someone's face. How did you feel about the the pace of the movie? I have a very specific reason for asking this question that I think you'll appreciate, because um, I'll explain my expectations going into this movie but I wanted to get your take on the pace first. <laughs> okay, so I gave Hayes a 9.5. Okay. Which was, I don't know, very harsh of me, I guess. <laughs> um, no, I gave it a 9.5 because even though there are three stories and there's a lot of silence in this film, it didn't really drag along for me. I felt like it 
spent enough time with each character and each story without overindulging or without having too many unnecessary scenes or lines of dialogue. It seemed to kind of get to the point, but in a nice, easy way. Okay. That makes sense. I gave it a little bit lower. I gave it a 6.5, which still exceeds expectations. Um, I think the biggest thing for me is the um, the scenes with Meryl Streep just didn't quite resonate with me, I think. Um, I mean, I thought Ed Harris, I mean, and Meryl Streep was great too. Like they were, um, their performances were fantastic, but I thought of all the three storylines, the, the modern day ones um, were just kind of meh for me. And I think, but I don't know that that's necessarily, maybe that's not fair to knock down pace um, for that reason, but I guess I, I mean, so it still exceeds expectations. Um, anyways, the reason that I ask is going into this movie, I very much so expected it to be a very slow movie. And I, w- I was kind of bracing myself for, for a long, boring movie, which, which luckily is not what happened. <laughs> but the reason I was, I, that I went in with that expectation is a, uh, 30 Rock joke when, uh, when Liz Lemon meets uh, Dennis Duffy for the first time. They're in a theater and they both make the same joke. Why is this movie called The Hours? More like The Weeks. <laughs> so I just, I think that's been firmly planted in my head since then that like, well, I guess I dodged a bullet by not seeing that movie. It sounds really boring. Um, but then it wasn't. So <laughs> it's, it's kind of a pointless to diatribe but but with a movie title like the hours that's 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 a choice that is a, a bold name for a movie because like you so she like a, an hour and a half two hours with a movie but the hours oof yeah <laughs> how many are we talking right <laughs> but i don't even think i mean i think it's like a almost exactly a two hour long movie like it's not like it's Titanic or something. Like no, it's, it's very it's average in that regard. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so my total for this category, uh, my total came out to a six point nine, um, which is pretty square in the middle of exceeds expectations, um, which I think is is pretty fair. I feel pretty good about that. Yeah, I ended up with an eight point four six. All right. Which is outstanding and, and very specific. I stand by it. Fair enough. Yeah. I'm surprised by that because a lot of like 8.5s or 0.5s, 0.6s. Oh, yeah. 0. 0.6, 0. 0.8, something like that. <laughs> there must be something besides a 0. 0.5 to get something so specific. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> oh, okay, sure. <laughs> yeah. All right, uh, so that's going to bring us to the next category, uh, which is going to be writing characters. Um, and this one... Like, I was really kind of hit and miss on when I was filling out the grid, and I couldn't decide in a lot of these because I feel like like the characters were really well-developed, and I like that they're, like, most of these characters, like, pretty much, we didn't get really into the outer goals um, too much, uh, or at all, I guess, in the last category, uh, but the outer goals, to me at least, were pretty much... Um, you know, get through the next day, get through the next day. Like most of these characters, um, it's just about just uh, the hours get through, get through the next hour. You know, that's, that's pretty much it. And the inner need is, um, I guess just the need to 
I get through the next, I don't know, I guess it's the same or, or a need to, to find some sort of inner peace, I guess, or, or um, some sort of resolution to, to mental illness or to depression. Um, so, so I like that, that, um, you know, that mental illness is so at the forefront of this plot, because I do think that's a, a really important topic that really doesn't get discussed enough. But at the same time, I feel like it could have done, like I was saying in, in the last category, I feel like it could have done things a little bit better as far as um, just just presenting what it's like to live with depression. Like some scenes, it was really, really well done. And then in other scenes, it just came off as, as really artificial, um, particularly with um, with the Julianne Moore character. Uh, like I love the scene with her and Tony Collette. I thought that was brilliance um which i guess we'll get more into that with acting and casting <laughs> it, it was very well written as well but just their performances oh my god um and then just i mean the the hotel scene i mean oh, oh, this is getting into acting and casting but as far as like the you know the presentation of a character with depression um you know i thought that her character was when it was well written it was really well written and then there were just a few scenes that just kind of rubbed me the wrong way it's just like yeah, it just seems a little too, particularly the, which maybe upon a second viewing now that I'm thinking about it, maybe it would make a little bit more sense. But the scenes uh, with her and, and the, the kid, with little Richard, I guess. Or, <laughs> nope. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, that was a surprise cameo. Yeah. <laughs> You know what I mean. With with the, like she kept calling him Bobby, so I guess Richard must be a, a middle name, or well, Bobby's a middle name, or he changed his name. I don't know. She did call him Bobby, right? Yeah. What is? Because Bobby would be short for Robert. Yeah. So, and he was listed in the credits. The the kid was as Richie. Maybe I misheard. I could have sworn she called him Bobby. <laughs> I'm sure she did. <laughs> Maybe. His name is Richie, but he like bobs up and down a lot. He's just Bobby. In any case, um, I thought the scenes with with her and the kid were just like I almost like like in the scene where she kept saying like like oh we're gonna bake a cake for dad like that whole thing, like it was and I think it was a combination of the performance and the writing, but just the and, and the directing I'm sure as well, but just the the combination of everything just came across as like. Like I was like, she's gonna, she's gonna put her head in the oven, isn't she? Like I really thought she was going to. Like she's gonna be like, like we're gonna bake a cake for daddy, and just <laughs> really, I really thought that that was gonna happen, and I thought she was. Gonna... <laughs> oh no, I killed him. <laughs> did you not think? Did it not come across that way? <laughs> I had many thoughts during that scene, but that was not one of oh. them. Oh. <laughs> I think I might have had, I probably had Sylvia Plath in my oh. head a bit. I wonder why. Uh, yeah. Um, so, but I just, I really, like, I thought that, or then when she was like, she grabbed all the pills and was like, we're going to make a second cake. I was like, she's going to poison <laughs> the whole family. Like, they just played her as so sinister um, that I just don't know that it was doing any favors for people with with mental illness and i do think they made the character sympathetic um but just those scenes and then particularly you know once we realize 
that little Richard is, is Richard, you know, <laughs> um, you know, once that realization comes in, then it's like, oh, okay, now we see how these people all interact and, and we, we see the bigger picture. Um, but I just, I don't know, it just seemed like they really, even though I think they were trying to, cause like you said, that great scene where she's like, you know, people say I should regret it, but I don't like, it was about survival. I needed to, to do what I had to do just to hang on. And that's what I had to do. And I think that that's a, a great scene and a great twist. Um, but it just, I just, it just seemed like they really kind of demonized her character, like between making her seem so sinister in those early scenes. And then, you know, even like when she arrives, they call her the monster. The monster, yeah. And and I just don't feel like. I mean, she does have that great speech, and and we see the scene where Claire Danes, like I said, I'm awful with names. Where Claire Danes like gives her a hug, and it's like this great moment of like like a humanizing moment of like, oh, she's not a monster. And and yet I just don't feel like they did quite enough. It just seemed like they were really. Um, I don't know, not maybe not highlighting the mental illness enough and highlighting the I don't know, except for the sinisterness I think was supposed to be depression or whatever mental illness it was that she was supposed to have. I don't know, yeah, I can't I really, quite sorry. I was just gonna say I can't quite put my finger on it. I just know something rubbed me the wrong way. Particularly in scenes with her in the little rich <laughs> I can't not say it now. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it's technically not incorrect. <laughs> no, like with with her scenes, I read her actions as like frantic and lifeless and just desperate for for anything that would change that situation. So I yeah. guess I read it as that way and didn't okay. think of it too much as sinister. Okay. Um, when they were driving and she kept like glancing over and just staring at the kid, not the road, I did kind of get kind of nervous. I'm like, does she care enough about what's going on? Or is, yeah. she, like, is she cool with the kid? She's just yeah, a little sidetracked. Right. I did want to scream at the TV, like, keep your eyes on the road. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also thought, speaking of that kid, he was just, that was, that was a weird kid. Like, he was just kind of weird. Like, even the scene where she, like, she takes him to the neighbor or whatever, and she's like, all right, like, I'm going to, quote, unquote, run some errands or whatever. And the kid, like, freaks the f out mm-hmm. and like i was a kid with, with a you know separation anxiety like i i i get that kids freak out but first of all he seemed a little bit too old for that and then second of all like where did he think she was going like he didn't know what was happening in that moment and he was like like i'm never gonna see my mom again i'm gonna freak out and like you're like eight like if he was like three okay yeah like but he's just he seemed a little too old and that reaction was a little too extreme unless we found out he was being like abused by that babysitter or whatever like what was that reaction um i just thought that was weird yeah that was i kept going back and forth how i felt about that character because i'm like 
I like that he's just awkwardly in the corner watching her, and there's a doesn't seem to be this a lot of chemistry between the two of them. Yeah. Um. But I mean, if he's always around her at home, then it might make sense that he's a little worried about her. I suppose. Yeah, I definitely get. I mean, I like the scene, like when they're when they're driving home, and he's like. You know, like, I love you. And it's like an awkward, like, why would he say that in that moment? It's like, well, because he knows something's wrong. And like, he wants to show affection. And that's the only way he can, like, because she's not exactly affectionate towards him. Um, So, like, I liked that scene. And and I do think that he would have a sense that something was wrong. But that still seems like, do you think a kid at that age would think she's going to leave me forever? I mean, I guess she did, like... But four months later, but it's like TikTok. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too much into it. I felt like they were writing these kids a little older than they were. The, the way they were like the um, Virginia Woolf's nieces and nephews when they found the bird. Yeah, and they were like, "Let's try to save it," and then we're told, "Like, oh no, just like sometimes." Things just die. Yeah. Like, oh, sure, okay. Let's bury it. Yeah. There did seem to be kind of like this, a huge grief with it, just kind of like, okay, part of life, noted. Yeah. I mean, the the knees seemed to take it the hardest, I guess? Yeah. Took her time with, with the bird at the end before they did the burial, but... Yeah. But yeah, it just seemed like they were writing it a little older than like what their ages were that could be and i'm okay with that i'd rather go that way than you know an eight-year-old being like i don't know what eight-year-olds say but (laughs) five-year-olds but you know just like plays a rattler i don't know (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know what i'm trying to say yeah (laughs) (laughs) no it's definitely better to have kids more mature than kids acting like infants (laughs) but i don't know i still think that boy was acting yeah at least in that one scene not in every scene but just that one scene he was acting too young i don't know there's just i think there's just something off about the kids in general all right uh so what was your total score for writing characters my total was an 8.9 all right. I enjoyed it quite well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, mine was a, a 7.4. A little bit higher than plot and genre. Still exceeds expectations. Uh, not quite into that outstanding range for me. But still, that's quite, that's a, that's a very decent score. Yeah, it's still solid. All right, so that's going to bring us to acting and casting. Uh, this one I definitely have a lot to say about um i definitely i mean just you know we started watching the movie and just seeing all the names pop up i was like i knew the three main main actors in this but man there were a lot of people in this movie like this is a not just star-studded but just talent-studded cast like it's man there's a lot of people in this movie and i like all of them like it's solid yeah, and like I'd, I'd be really interested to see what the budget was, because... Oh, yeah, I'm sure acting just... I mean, Meryl Streep alone probably ate half the budget, but... <laughs> she does. And one thing that bothered me was... It's... The, the Meryl Streep story takes place in New York. 
Is that right? I think Same. so. Felt like New York. Yeah. <laughs> From the interiors of the buildings. Yeah. I mean, that sounds right, but I didn't quite pick up on... I just know not San Francisco, because they mentioned flying in from San Francisco. <laughs> but it was but it was very white for New York. And I get that it's like based on Virginia Woolf, but... Right. There were many characters, though, to be fair. But yeah, you would think there would be a little more diversity. Yeah, the... But... What's his name? Lewis? The um, Jeff Daniels character? Oh, yeah. I'm or pretty much anyone. I mean, there's... Yeah, there's... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm glad we got... Well, I'm going to be in the minority here. I'm not actually a very big Meryl Streep fan. Um, especially her later stuff. Um, I thought her performance in this was fine, but pretty much just as far as the modern day stuff go, like, I love Alice and Janie. Janie? Janie. I can never remember. They sound the same to me. I... I'm not good. I'll accept either. Yeah. Tommy Hardy's mom. <laughs> but regardless, like, I love her. I'm glad she got a spot in there. And I like Claire Danes. I'm glad she was in there for as small of a role as that was. And pretty much everyone else was kind of like, could have been cast by anybody. Yeah. And even those roles, like... They weren't exactly, and I, I will say as much as I like Claire Danes, I did not think it was a particularly phenomenal performance. Um, there were just a few line deliveries and stuff. I was just kind of like, it seemed a little cardboard, and it could have been the writing. Her her lines, the few that she had, weren't stellar. But did she act her age in your opinion, <laughs> or was she kind of like Richie? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, children. I think she she's one of those people that it's very hard to tell her yeah. age. I'm like, is she supposed to be 15 or 25? I think college? That's what I was thinking, like 19-ish. Yeah. Which seems appropriate. But she, she came in with that high energy, kind of like the way Tony Collette did. And mm-hmm. that was nice. It was, I felt I kind of liked that change. But, yeah. But yeah, she didn't I don't know. I didn't notice anything that was like too glaring in her performances because they were yeah. so short. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. There was a specific like couple of lines where I was just like, ugh. But now I don't even remember what it was. I should have written it down. I and it was probably it could have been the writing as well, but it's hard to tell. I did love. We started to talk about it a little bit, and then I had to kind of rein back. Yeah. But I'm sorry. No, it was it was me just jumping the gun, but I did I love um, Tony Collette. I mean, I love Tony Collette in any movie. She's just amazing. But the their performance together, um, I thought that was probably the Julianne Moore's strongest performance in the whole movie. Although she had a few very good ones, um, and just the there was so much going on in that scene, and um, just the way Tony Collette's character like comes in really high energy, really like almost Stepford Wives, like perfect 50s housewife. And then there's like this underlying, you know, you find out that she has this health condition and then it turns into like this gendered conversation of like, you know, what to, you know, what what makes a woman, she makes some comment of like, oh, I feel like you can't even be a woman till you have babies. And like, there's, you know, all of these 
gendered things happening and then they have that kiss and it's like oh man there's just so much going on and then just her reaction of like you know she's like you you were okay with that okay with what I don't know to what you're referring I'm gonna go now take care of the dog <laughs> and just like and, leaves and insists on driving herself exactly no, yeah no no we're cool yeah I, I would really prefer to drive myself I think it would be best like yeah just the the levels to those performances and just the uh, and a lot of that does dip back into writing a little bit but just the the layers of that scene um I just really really liked that scene a lot it was probably my favorite in the whole movie um more had so few um acting scene partners where we're just like yeah like and I noticed throughout the film like you rarely see more than two people talking with each other yeah there are it's two people talking with like a crowd Mm -hmm. and other people are just either not participating or they're just listening or yeah. no inside conversation but like when Moore and Colette were having that scene together like you learned so much not just about like the dynamic of like the neighborhood and their French group but about Moore and kind of like what she's kind of going through and yeah you get that insight like okay okay yeah because before it was just her you know making a cake with the sun right yeah but no, that was a, yeah, that was a great scene. Yeah. And I just love, especially like, just like, like, I really don't know why you can't make a cake. It's the easiest thing in the world to do. Anybody can do it. It's like, way to make a depressed person feel. I mean, not that she, though there were several red flags. It's like, come on, can you, like, I know this was the 50s and people didn't talk about this kind of stuff. Come on. <laughs> mm-hmm. I did, like, I actually gave the, uh, the extras subcategory a fairly high score which I don't normally do that's usually a subcategory like yeah, it's probably like a five <laughs> the whole point is that you're not supposed to notice them you know um but what I liked about this movie is that kind of like what you were saying about like it's a very uh lonely movie I don't know if that's the word I'm looking for a very a very sparsely populated movie like there's not a lot of extras there are a few there's definitely some scenes um there's the train station scene you've got a few bystanders um but there's really not a lot of extras and it's a very contained story um and i feel like you know like with the train station they could have very easily just populated it with a ton of people and they chose to keep it more contained um which i really liked so i actually gave extras an eight out of ten largely because of the limited use of extras. No, um, I'm right there with you. Yeah. I went 10 out of 10. Oh, wow. And because of that, because there were so few, and when you saw them, they emphasized, like, the isolation each character was going through. And especially Virginia Woolf. Like, oh, yeah. When she's on the park bench, and she's, like, muttering to herself about the story. Yeah. Um... Which is always comforting to see someone on a bench fluttering about how someone's going to die. How <laughs> 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 it's normal. <laughs> That's just England for you. Um, everyone does it. Um, when she's sitting there, you see a bunch of people going behind her on the sidewalk that's like behind a fence and like raised up a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you see people coming up like a ramp or a sidewalk to her right and then they make another sharp right and so they don't even like go by her they like totally avoid her so she's in this like little isolated bubble 
in public with all these people, but none are coming close. Yeah. You don't really see any of their faces either. They're just like bodies moving around her. Right, yeah. Yeah, I kind of forgotten about that scene, but yeah, yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. I don't know if she would because she would be an extra. One of the um the non primary um house help person. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I liked her performances because she was like very she like knew what was going on, but was just like, nope. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not in charge. I'm right. Just, I'm just here. Hello. Yeah. Was the one who was like cracking the eggs. Yeah, yeah. I a lot of those shots of people cracking yeah. the eggs. And I'm just like, what? There's meaning here I need to like, dissect. Right. I don't know if that's just supposed to be like a shared action to connect the storylines or if there's more of a symbolic significance. It's probably symbolic significance somewhere in there, but. Yeah. <laughs> Do we see a. Julianne Moore break eggs when she makes the cake? No, we don't. They sift the flour, and then hmm. you see the deflated cake with the frosting on it. Yeah. But yeah, you don't see her. All you see is the, the flour being sifted with her seed. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. I don't know what it means, but it's interesting. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of food in this movie. There's kind of like, sort of, you see getting made, but they don't focus on it and I appreciate that yeah just because it's like we don't need to see the whole process we get that it's going on yeah and I like that they really took advantage of not like showing you that it was happening to show you where it came from but not feeling the need to be making a culinary show yeah (laughs) just one of my pet peeves was like when they focus too much on like making the dish and I'm like but this this is this could have been used in so many better ways (laughs) yeah I do think we need to talk um, a little bit about um, Nicole Kidman's performance. Um, I think probably we touched on this at, at the top of this, but probably not probably. The thing this movie is most well known for is Nicole Kidman's nose, and I and I feel like I've heard a lot of people talk about uh, talk about it like it's a negative thing, like oh I just can't. It's so distracting. I can't get past it, and I don't know where those people are coming if anything it's it would be more distracting if you could recognize her more because like oh it's Nicole Kidman like there were like I forgot it was Nicole Kidman through most of between like her voice is different her face obviously looks different but even and I think I think it's important to note too that like it's not just the prosthetic nose like it's it's the makeup overall like she's pretty much she's basically not wearing makeup I'm sure there's some makeup there but you know, it doesn't look like it, and, and it's the hair, and it's, uh, um, you know, this is getting more into aesthetics, but, you know, like, like all of those aspects go into it, too, but then it's also just her performance, like, because she has some very, um, very distinct facial features that she tends to, like, she does a lot of things with her eyebrows and a lot of things with her mouth, like, she's a very, um, has a very distinctive acting type I guess or type of um personalities that she plays maybe or I'm not sure quite how to describe it but she has a very specific type of face acting that like even that in this movie there were a few moments here and there where she would like raise her eyebrow in just the right way or move her mouth in just the right way and I'm like oh there's Nicole Kidman I knew she was in there somewhere 
But like, like, I really think it's unfair for people to be like, oh, yeah, it's the nose. Like, it, it just makes her unrecognizable. I'm like, but it's not just that. Like, it's her whole performance. Like, she really disappeared into this role. Um, and I, I thought she did a, a phenomenal job. And I believe, is that the only Academy Award this movie won was Best Actress for her? Is that right? I looked it up and then forgot immediately. If it wasn't the only, it was one of the only. Okay. But she did win. She did win. Okay. Was it best lead or best supporting? Best lead. Okay. I think the other, I think Meryl Streep and Julianne Moore were up for best supporting. Okay. And they kind of wanted to kind of hedge their bets. Mm, yeah. They didn't want to overload one category. And, yeah, that's fair. You know, like with for face acting, I gave it 10 because, you know, it was I did too, so... so much just subtlety mm-hmm. and the eyes made like, especially in the eyes oh yeah just you could just tell what they were thinking or what they were planning on doing just oh yeah i mean there's the scene um when when julia moore comes into the present day scenes and she's talking with meryl streep and it's this she's giving this monologue and then it just cuts to meryl streep's reaction shot like the things she does with her face it's so subtle but it just gives you so much insight into what this character is thinking and into the the backstory of like here's this person she's never met but she's heard so much about since she was 19 years old and now she's what in her 50s 60s i don't know how old she's supposed to be probably like mid 40s to mid 50s okay yeah, that seems about right. So yeah, so she's been hearing about it for years and years and years. Now she finally meets this person and, and hears her side of the story for the first time. And you can just see just through her face, like you said, just like the eyes, especially like she'll, she'll squint her eyes slightly in just the right way or, you know, look in a different direction ever so slightly. Like she just does these really subtle things. Um, that, it's just fantastic. I, I also gave, gave face acting a 10 easy um, for things like that. And even um, Julianne Moore for for some of the issues that I had with her performance, like they, none of it came in the face acting. Like her, just the, I mean, like there's there are scenes where you just see this, you know, it's a vacant look on her face, and it's just haunting because it's just like like oh yeah, like she's you can she's, feel that pain too. Exactly, like it's just like someone give this woman a hug and, and get not that that's all she needs, but just like like somebody like you never see her. I don't think you ever see her except for the kiss. I don't. I think that's the only physical contact she has with anybody in the whole movie. Now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah, there's the kiss and then the hug with Streep's daughter. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. Yeah. Clarissa's daughter. Yeah. Um, so there's she doesn't have much physical contact. It's just like like your heart just breaks for her because you just see through that. You don't even really see her cry very often, but when you do, it's just, I mean, and she's just one of those actors, like like man, like. Like she's like she's up there with like Natalie Portman, where like when these people cry, it, it breaks your heart. <laughs> like it's just, man, there's just there's. A, it's a gift. <laughs> yeah, and I really, I mean, it was used so well. Exactly, because it was so sparing. I think there's only uh, there's a scene where she's driving to the hotel, and then there's the scene um, where she's in the bathroom, and I think in the hotel, I think she breaks down and cries. And I think yes. those are the only three times. And the rest of the movie, it's pretty much that just blank, expressionless, mm-hmm. just pained look. It's just like, oh man, that almost breaks your heart more than when she cries. Like it's just like, oh, 
so yeah, so her performance, even though um, I think it more so comes in the a little in the writing and a little in the directing, the sound, I think the score for her scenes plays a bit. Like there's a lot of things that go into some of the scenes that I had issues with, but her performance throughout is phenomenal. Yeah, none of the three main women like drops the ball. They were like when it came to like their reactions and that kind oh, of yeah. stuff, it was just like there was. Yeah, I was. I don't know. Just <laughs> bouncing between like two ways of taking this, um, but just like, because there was so little dialogue and so many of just like long shots on one of the three of them. Yeah. You just got to really, I don't know, savor it and make like, none of their the, the, the subtle choices they made were lost. They were just highlighted and. Like, yeah celebrated almost yeah and i do think i gave um casting main characters a perfect 10 as well which i don't normally for i don't know casting main characters is kind of a a tough one for me and i believe this was based on a book which i've never read so that also kind of plays into um you know maybe i shouldn't have given it a perfect 10 because i don't know what these characters as i I mean virginia wolf we can look at pictures and i think that they did a very good job um, with the casting there just based on, on the pictures. But as far as the other people, I don't know, maybe I should have gone 9.5. But, I mean, I just thought, largely just because their performances were so strong, um, I went ahead and gave casting main characters a perfect 10 as well. Um, line deliveries, this seems a little harsh, but maybe not. Uh, line deliveries, I gave a 7 out of 10 for some reason. Uh, I do think some of Claire Dane's line deliveries, I think were a little stuck in my head when I did the rating, which you didn't seem to mind. So I'm probably, there was probably just something very specific that stuck out that bothered me. Um, and Meryl Streep too, like, like I was saying before, I'm not the biggest Meryl Streep fan. She, when she's good, she's good. And she's good in this movie for most of it. And as far as face acting goes, like, man, she's got it down. Um, but I don't know, just uh, sometimes when like her line deliveries, it's just like, oh, this is Meryl Streep doing another Meryl Streep character. And it was much less so that in this movie. I think this is early enough Meryl Streep that it wasn't quite... Before the cosplay. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I just feel like Meryl Streep in later movies, it's just like, uh, but like, she's just phoning it in. So it's like, well, she's going to get nominated for something anyway. So it doesn't even really matter. And she just plays the same performance in every single movie. And I feel like this was maybe at the beginning of that. Oh, for sure. Um, there were still a few serious movies after that before it got to like Double Door Prada, like that era. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that contributed to the lower, which is still, I mean, a seven, that's still, um, still exceeds expectations. It's, it's not a bad score by any means. Um, but it's definitely the lowest within this category overall. Um, yeah, I went nine out of 10. Um, just because there were just so few lines that I found irksome or kind of falling flat. And there's only just a few for me that did that. I'm like, yeah, because I like a nice, smooth dialogue. Yeah. I'm really, I don't know, I like good long speeches and all that kind of stuff. So the more dialogue that's 
you know, I, I enjoy that too as much as a film with very little dialogue. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's a weird way of, I'm sure it's a better way of putting that. <laughs> <laughs> I like short books and long books. It's <laughs> 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 like almost Dr. Seuss. Um, <laughs> um, but the, the majority of it was delivered so well. Yeah. I just, I'm like, yeah, there, there were scenes here and there that I was like, eh, that wasn't awesome. It probably could have been cut, but I loved it, the rest of it so much. I'm like, no, nine. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, was there anything else you would like to add within this category? I don't know why my voice just went so loud when I asked that. <laughs> um... Yes. Okay. So my biggest issues with the like secondary casting, which I gave an 8.5, were like the Jeff Daniels and the, I don't know, Mr. Wolf. Um, yeah, I don't know his first name either. Or even the actor's name. Prepared. Yeah, I feel like he's really <laughs> famous too. And then yeah. I... Yeah. It was the hair. I couldn't see past the hair. Yeah. <laughs> he just... It was just, he just became Mr. Wolf. <laughs> I just did not care for their performances. I just felt like it was a little too distracting, like they were doing something too much. Yeah, so I didn't notice it as much with um, Mr. Wolf, but with Jeff Daniels, I definitely, um, there was just something about his performance, like just, I don't, I don't know, but there was something that I didn't, like he was trying too hard, but I don't even know. I, I don't know. Like he was just doing weird things with his head, like the way he would turn his head, like his posture was kind of off. And I didn't seem like there was, I don't know if chemistry is quite the right word because I don't think there's supposed to be chemistry per se, but just the, the dynamic between him and Meryl Streep seemed really off. Um, so yeah, that and that and his role was so small, like they absolutely could have cast someone a little more suited to the role and, and adding some diversity to the cast would have uh, not been a bad idea either. Um, so yeah, that was not, I don't know, that was just kind of, I'd kind of forgotten about it until you mentioned it. I was like, oh yeah, his performance was weird. Like I forgot he was even a character. I'm like, oh yeah. I'm still trying to forget. Yeah, it was just... Those were the scenes I was like tapping my watch, like, is this why is this still going on? Right. And that and the whole scene, like I kind of thought Meryl Streep's performance in the scene where like she's breaking down in the kitchen was like like her performance was fine. It wasn't that she was bad. So it might have been the writing, but just something about that scene, like the way the breakdown came about. Exactly. And and I think the lack of, of I guess I'm just going to keep going with the word chemistry, even though, even though that's not quite, and it's usually associated with romance and that wasn't their relationship. I don't think there were a lot of connections. Um, but I don't know. There was just something, like, they didn't seem to have a good connection. And then her performance was, like, really theatrical maybe I was gonna say over the top and that makes me think of like a, a bad performance it wasn't bad it was just and she tends to be very especially in her later performances she's very 
theatrical. It's very big. Yeah, and and so I feel like that was kind of like that scene was like her big theatrical scene, and then he was just kind of like, should should I should I leave? I, I'm I'm just I'm gonna I'm gonna leave. no you don't want me to leave? Okay, I'm gonna stay. Like it was just so understated but awkward but not in the right way because it should have been awkward. like that was that was an awkward scene and it was supposed to feel a little awkward yeah. but it felt awkward in the wrong kind of way like it just yeah there's supposed to be resentment there it seems yeah or something yeah but it just didn't happen exactly um it felt like they yeah. were so like workshopping it almost yeah that's a good way of putting it yeah then like for mr wolf i just like, again, he was just, just shaking my hand. Um, <laughs> was he just too, like, too intense or too... Maybe I don't have more to say on him. Just, I just, I found him bothersome. Maybe that was just their relationship, but... Yeah. It, it, it just seemed like there was, it was almost just like the manager and not... Yeah, it did seem a little odd, and it did make me... Wonder, because like in real life, she had like a, a girlfriend. I don't know if that's quite the right word. Uh, she was having an affair. Is that the? I guess I don't know much about. I mean, I know there was a woman involved, and she was in a relationship with a woman, Vita. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I mean, I know that that plays a big role. I don't know. Um, I guess I don't know that much about their relationship, but I know that it's a big part of her life, and that it was never mentioned. And then it's like, so wait, so how does that? Like it just made, I think it just made me wonder about the real Virginia Woolf and like how her relationship with her husband was, knowing that she had this very important relationship with a woman, and and I guess I don't really know the timeline of, of when all those relationships happened and everything. Um, but even like the the suicide note, like we see two envelopes. Do we know who the second one was addressed to? The second was addressed to Vanessa, her sister. Her sister. And what was, okay, sorry, this is just blatantly going back to other things. This was another thing I had to Google to make sure I understood everything correctly. Like, what was up with the kiss between her and her sister? I don't know. And, like, is that based on, like, is there historical evidence? I was wondering evidence? I didn't really want to... I wasn't quite sure how to Google it without getting really weird results. Some interesting fanfic on Tumblr. <laughs> um, but I did double check. So I was like, I know she referred to her as her sister, but is that like, did she mean that literally? I'm pretty yeah. sure it was literally. Yeah, I looked it up. It's definitely, literally, they are blood siblings. Um, so I was a little confused there. And unhappy with that especially I mean if I knew there was some sort of historical truth there or or some like if I knew why that was in there I might be a little more interested is not quite the right word but a little more understanding of why they put that in right and not just cocking your head like what what just happened? Right. Was it's never, I just witnessed? Yeah, and it's never mentioned again. And, I mean, like I said, maybe there is some historical something about some sort of weird relationship between them. I didn't really want to Google things to find out. So I just Googled Virginia Woolf's sister, and that's all I Googled. Um, but, yeah. 
I forgot to talk about that in the character section, but I don't know. That was the thing that happened. <laughs> I don't know if there's a better way of putting that. <laughs> to be fair, every other of the three storylines had some sort of um, gay relationship or gay kiss, so... Yeah, but not, but not incest gay kiss. <laughs> I wonder if that was just the closest they could come. They were like, well, make it but work. Just don't make it. just introduce Pina. Exactly. Like, I don't... Or maybe you heard one of the names. Something. I mean, there's got to yeah. be a better way. It was uncomfortable. <laughs> and especially because, like, uh, there's the movie... Uh, this is way off topic, but just... I guess. Speaking of incest, <laughs> you know, there's a the other Boylan girl, and there's like a subplot in there of like because there's like historical rumors of like, well, maybe this was a thing that happened. And it's like, okay, this is uncomfortable. Obviously, nobody wants to talk about this, except here we are talking about it. But you know, like, hello, yeah. <laughs> it's like you know, okay, this is uncomfortable, but here's the history behind it. And now that I have this little bit of information, I can Google this bit of information and not be too concerned about what's going to come up and, and learn more about history. Yeah. And then it's like, even though it's uncomfortable, it's like, okay, but it's, it's history and you're learning and it's something that really happens. And, and maybe there is some sort of, of historical, you know, maybe there's, maybe there's been letters or a journal found like I, but I feel like that would probably be common. Well, or at least, especially after this movie, it would be like, oh yeah, here's why this scene was in there. And again, I didn't Google it too much because I was scared of what I would find. But <laughs> like, it just—I don't know. It was. Uh, and that was the case, though. Like, there would have been other ways to like introduce that, or like not just oh, by the way, right? It's a send-off kiss, but yeah, a little too much, right? And I do think even in the scene, like when we first saw that character, I was like. I was like, oh, is this Vita? Because I didn't think she was in it. Because just like the way they were interacting was a little too friendly for sisters. But then I'm like, oh, maybe I'm just being weird. And this is normal. And then that happened. And I'm like, oh, okay. My suspicions weren't unfounded. But I'm still confused as to why this is happening. No, like the first time I watched this movie, I straight up thought like, oh, that's her lover. Like, got it. Yeah. Cool. And then when we were going to, when I mentioned... This one that I was gonna like rewatch this. I mentioned that you know that there was like this gay couple and this other gay couple and this and this and this and like no no no, they're sisters. I'm like no, <laughs> you're mistaken. It's a different Virginia Woolf movie. <laughs> no, it's this one. Did you get any? Did you get any insight on on why that scene was there? No, they also just like just bring Vita. Yeah. Like, this is like someone that's read a. Um, I think it was an autobiography. Either an auto, oh gosh, a biography or an autobiography of Vita. Okay. I want to say autobiography, just because there was a lot of information that mm. Vita would have had that others might not have. Okay. Um, I think this person like also just wanted it to be just about Vita, not about Virginia Woolf or the other characters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but. But yeah, like, exactly. They, like you're saying, they could have just introduced Vita. Yeah. Like, there's not the same dynamic with the kids, but you don't need that. Right. Or you could have, like, still have the scene with the 
sister, not, not the kissing scene, but the other scenes. <laughs> Everyone's there. And then just have some sort of quick, I don't know, like, I, fe- I feel like they probably could have even done, or just mentioned the kids. Like, I feel like they could have had that scene where she's like, oh, yeah, like, the kids are coming, get the ginger. And, like, I feel like they could have had that, not even shown us the sister. And then later have a scene with with Vita, like, I don't know. I was just, I, I had forgotten to mention that. We're getting off topic, but <laughs> that was worth talking about because it was very confusing. And I'm glad to know I wasn't missing something because um, I did definitely... I thought for, I was like, well, maybe I just misunderstood the dynamic. I don't want to like all of a sudden be like, what was up with that scene where she kisses her sister? And you're like, what are you talking about? Her sister's not in this movie. Like, I didn't want to be like, so I, I did look it up and like, okay, well, I'm so confused, but at least I know I should be confused or something. Anyway, um, so on that note, <laughs> was there anything else? Uh, you'd like to add for for acting and casting? I think I'm good on those. All right. What was your final score? A rough 9.5. All right. Uh, I came out to an 8.9. A little bit lower than yours, but still outstanding. I thought it was definitely um, quite possibly this. Well, no, there's a spoiler. There's a little bit of higher scores coming up, but it's definitely um, definitely a standout for me as far as the categories go with them. Yeah, I really liked the acting and the casting overall. All right. <laughs> uh, so that's going to bring us to cinematography lighting. Um, and this is a movie that um, I definitely loved the lighting. I thought everything looked amazing. Uh, like I gave everything really high scores. But that said, I don't have a ton of specifics to say about it. Like, like it looked gorgeous. And I thought, like, it, you know, set the mood really well, handled realism really well, contributed to storytelling pretty well. Um, but I don't really have any specific examples of things I really liked or anything that it did differently that I thought was interesting. Um, so it's got a high score, but I don't have much to say. Sure, I'm very, you know, I had a similar um, experience with that category where yeah. I loved their use of lighting. But in a lot of scenes, I'm like, that's, I love what you're doing, but I just wanted it to go a little bit more. I can see that. A little more dramatic or a little more real. One of those directions, because it was no, yeah. it was like in a spot where it was moody, but it could have gone, it needed to go one way or the other, a little bit more. I can see that, absolutely. Something more intense. And they did that with this, a few scenes where there were really harsh shadows, and I love the harsh shadow. Yeah. Um, like where Virginia's in bed and only half her face oh, is lit. Oh, yes. And the rest is like mm-hmm. cast on the pillow. And it's yeah. just, oh. I know exactly the shot you're talking about. I forgot about it until you said it. But yeah, that was a, a gorgeous shot. And I'm like, they took their time to set up these shots. And it was to do the lighting and it was very intentional but I'm like just a little bit more just want a little bit more yeah that's my that makes sense (laughs) I feel like they also I don't know (laughs) this this I can't even necessarily call this a complaint because this is just me saying it should be like other movies that I like which isn't fair but uh I feel like a one direction it could have taken which could have been really interesting is to give each time period um, like a, a specific, t- like maybe have the 
you know, Virginia Woolf scenes be, well, did a pretty good job with those scenes of, of feeling very um, period appropriate, I guess, as far as like kind of or drab isn't quite the right word, but not, not the most vibrant lighting in the world. Um, that's not the right phrasing either, because it was vibrant, just not, I guess the color palettes were a little more neutral and the lighting was a little more dark. Um, so it did set the mood pretty well there. But then like, I feel like the fifties could have gone really more stylized than it was as far as having like the bright, overly happy, like almost Norman Rockwell kind of feel of like fifties, you know, like it could have gone a little farther there. And more then modern surreal. Day. Exactly. Yeah. I feel like they could have um, given each each time frame, I guess, a little bit more of a unique feel. Like they did a little bit, it, that idea was there, but I feel like that could have been a really, particularly when you have things like, you know, when the, when the storylines start to cross a little bit, you know, they could have done some really interesting things with lighting there, um, but that would have made it a whole different movie. Like I said, <laughs> more of like me wishing it would be more like, I don't even know, the Grand Budapest Hotel or something, which is completely a different movie and a different tone and all that um but it could have been that with virginia wolf in one of the rooms just right <laughs> <laughs> go down to the concierge desk so where's the nearest river <laughs> all right um so that said was there anything you wanted to add to lighting i feel bad we didn't say much but i think we covered it all right um, so my score for lighting um, still came out to an 8.4. Like I said, I scored things fairly high, um, despite not having too much to talk about. Um, so I still I still consider it outstanding. Nice. I ended up with a 9.3. Oh, wow. Also outstanding. Yeah. And yeah, I, I loved it. I just wanted it to go a little bit more. Yeah, I could see that. Absolutely. What does that mean? No one really knows. Just a little bit more. <laughs> All right, so that's going to bring us to a cinematography camera work. Um, and this one is kind of the opposite of the last one in a lot of ways. Um, I, I still don't have a ton to say about it, um, but I thought it was a little on the lower end for me. The one thing that got a fairly high score is going to be camera movement, um, largely because I really liked that there wasn't much. Like, it was a very stationary film um which which i really like because it is just i mean it's about these three women and that's pretty much it. i mean there's other things going on but it's you know it's just a stationary that's not i keep saying terms that are almost what i mean still um i guess yeah or, or sedentary Oh. I guess that's just another word for stage college. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I don't know. I just liked that. I, I guess still is, is the best <laughs> word for it. But um, yeah, I just liked that there wasn't a lot of movement to it. So that got, I, that got an 8.5 out of 10. Um, and storytelling for pretty much the same reason. I gave an 8 out of 10, um, largely because it is very uh, a very still movie, which I liked. Um, and everything else got 6s and 6.5s. Um, no, absolutely. Yeah. Like, all of mine are either 6s or 8s in this category. Okay, yeah. Because of that, it was either... Um, I, like, again, like I loved how the camera movements were just so still in that kind of mirror the um 
the isolation and the feelings of like being stuck in their lives and are stuck in a moment that they were feeling and it just they weren't having like manic moments they were just like moving slowly and or like just staying in a room and the camera movements worked with that and just focused on what they were doing and didn't try to create more motion absolutely yeah um yeah for me the lowest though is like mezzanine okay uh, is that pronounced i i think it's I always no. say mise-en-scene. Oh, no. But I feel like I've heard it pronounced that way, too, so I'm not... Mise-en-scene? That's how I have always pronounced it. I'm not the one you should probably ask, so I pronounce everything wrong. Like, you went to college for this. <laughs> I feel yeah. like if there was one person to ask, it would be you. <laughs> yeah. Everything sounds the same to me, though. It's hard for me to hear differences between pronunciations for some reason. But I've always said mise-en-scene. Mise-en-scene. Yeah. Okay. So that's which, not the... Which I, I hate that word. <laughs> I hate it so much, but... <laughs> um, oh. Yeah, I like that the lowest for me, just because there was so much attention to detail of every other aspect of it, that I'm just like, really? You didn't want to frame this shot a little bit more or a little bit better or... Yeah, I think that was... Oh, I still gave it 6.5, but I, I thought very much so the same thing. There were just a lot of shots, um, particularly when it's like more of a close-up shot. And, and particularly, for some reason, the ones that are sticking out are like, like Meryl Streep, which is having the breakdown in the kitchen. There were a lot of shots in there where I was like, they could have done something really interesting, and this is the most generic-looking shot I've ever seen. Um, so it was like, there definitely were, were a lot of shots where I was like, man, this could have been... Like it wasn't that there was anything bad per se, but there wasn't anything that really stood out either. Yeah, like I feel like if they had just, like when you have a cast like that, it's surprising that they don't slow down a little bit. Yeah. Because they know they can get whatever performance they need out of that person, and that actor's right. going to go, you know, above and beyond. Exactly. So it's like, why not utilize what you have, you know, on your cast? Like, or who you have on your cast? Because these people are people, not objects. Yeah. <laughs> oh. But like, I, but, you know, we'll get into this later, I'm sure, with like props and stuff. But I'm like, these looked like really lived in spaces. Oh, yeah. And there didn't seem to be a lot of unused area. So it's like, can't you, like, you're going to put that detail into it. But for everything else, it was just kind of like, this is beautiful, I'm cool with it, but it wasn't, it felt above mediocre, but not quite um, la creme de la creme. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, uh, was there anything else? I feel bad that cinematography is not getting too much said, but uh, was there anything else you wanted to add for cinematography camera work? Okay, so... The one, sh the one scene that had like the most camera work going on with it, it seemed, was Mr. Wolf running to the train station. Oh yeah, I forgot about that and, scene. And it seemed like the camera was doing a lot of stuff in that. Yeah. And I'm like, that's the one scene they didn't need. Yeah. So like, why did you spend this much time with this to make it look interesting when you don't need it? Like. You could have, I don't know, cut out the whole running sequence. Right. Yeah. And I was trying to decide watching it. I was like, are they trying to make us think that 
this is when she's killed herself? Because, like, we know that that comes... We saw the river at the beginning. <laughs> right. Like, and we know that that comes, it, like, way later. It's, like, 1941, and this is all, I guess, 1925. But it kind of seemed like maybe they were... But I'm like... And even if they were trying to amp up the suspense from that, it's like, but there's no suspense. We know... We know he's not going to save her. <laughs> like, so I don't know... But I don't even know if that's what they were trying to do. Maybe it was just, what she got to do now? Right. Yeah, we hadn't spent any time with him alone before that. Yeah. And so it's like, this is awkward. We're just going to run with you. <laughs> yeah. Do you have another job besides like editing your wife's work yeah. and printing it? What do you do, Mr. Wolf? Yeah. So that was just really an odd choice, it seems, that, like, of all of the scenes to to really pull out all the stops for. Yeah. At least the most stops. Yeah. Yeah, because you're right, that's not even a character that we spend much time alone with. Like, why... I don't know, like, not, not the scene where... We've said her name so many times and I forget. <laughs> Laura? Laura, Laura Brown, Laura Dalloway. Yeah, Ju- Julianne Moore. <laughs> <laughs> but the scene where she's like driving to the hotel or something, like that could have been have more frantic camera work or something and give Absolutely. Or, or something like. Yeah, like in, the, in those yeah. shots, the camera's very still as she's driving erratically. Yeah. But, yeah, like, there was more editing than camera work. Exactly. It's just, again, like lighting. I wanted more from them. Yeah. All right, uh, was there anything else you wanted to add for camera work? I think I covered everything that I wanted to say. All right. Uh, so my total for that category came to a, a 7.1 out of 10. So one of my lower for the movie overall, but still uh, pretty solidly exceeds expectations. Wow. I was almost exactly the same. 7.2. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's very similar. Right, so that's going to bring us to editing and special effects, um, which right off the bat, I feel like I should address uh, how I went about scoring the special effects category, because it was kind of a weird movie, I mean, not a weird movie, but I guess just most of the movies that I watch have some sort of special features, or special effects, I mean, and this one, there might have been a little bit as far as, like, the period pieces, maybe there was some green screen to get, like, some older buildings in the background, Uh, maybe, I don't even know if that's true or not, (laughs) Um, but that would be the only special effects present, Um, so I wasn't sure if there was any at all, and I wasn't sure... Um, well, I guess that's, I guess I just, I just wasn't sure if there was even any, but I still gave it, I gave it an 8.5 out of 10 for special effects, because I figure if there's not any at all, that's pretty impressive for day in this day and age to not have any special effects at all. And if there was some, it was subtle enough that I can't tell if there was any or not. Um, so if there was some green screen going on with any of the, uh, like period piece stuff, it was very subtle and very well done. So either way, I, I felt okay giving that subcategory pretty high. Yeah, I kind of had a similar reasoning, but went with a 10 because I didn't notice like 
I seen where there would have been. As far as I can remember from like the trivia I kind of glanced at earlier, the driving scenes, they were driving on the road. Oh yeah, that makes sense, yeah. And they had um, the other drivers around her because they weren't wearing seatbelts because of mm. the time period. They were all communicating through walkie-talkies. Okay. To make it, that was their safety precaution instead of seatbelts. So <laughs> all the other drivers were like in constant communication, especially for the erotic scenes and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Huh. Very interesting. But yeah, like, I know they went in and um, visual, or went in like with, in post, and um, touched up around Nicole Kidman, Nicole Kidman's nose um, to make it look more seamless. Okay. Which ended up disqualifying them from like um, prosthetics at the Oscars or. For real? Yeah. Because they went in and touched up with. Huh. Just the nose. Yeah. Hmm. Which, I mean, to be fair. Yeah, I suppose. All right, well then, yeah. now I'm wondering if I should bump it up. I still feel pretty good about an 8.5, but had I known that, I probably would have gone a little higher. Uh, but I'm going to leave it. I said going into this that I would probably change a bunch of scores, and so far I haven't changed any. I did think... Um, pretty much from the very beginning of the movie, one of the things that I noticed the most was the editing. I just thought this movie was was phenomenally well edited. We started to talk about it a little bit, uh, or I think you made a comment at least about it in a, one of the writing sections of just how how seamlessly everything goes together. It's, it's very much so the writing as well, and then also the, the music and the sound design, which we'll get to next. Um, but I thought the editing was just really solid, particularly in, in both the really early scenes and the really, like, the, the really late scenes is what I <laughs> the end scenes, I guess, is a more formal way of saying that. Um, but I thought that just the editing and how it really connected these characters and made just a, a seamless story with these, you know, three completely different characters, three completely different timelines, completely different plots, or relatively completely different, I guess, I guess in the case of the non-Virginia Wolf stories, those two intertwine quite a bit more. Um, but I thought the editing um, overall just really was um, just really fluid and really helped tell the story and and really um, just really solid. I just thought the editing overall was, um, was really well done. Absolutely. The only time I really noticed that the editing was a little bit um, noticeable was when Moore and the kid were in the car. And I think it was when they were driving back from the neighbors. Okay. And there were a lot of cuts, or a lot of jumps, or jump cuts between, I'm sure if I'm using that right, um, between like the kid's face and her face, and then a two shot, then a one shot, one shot, two shot. And it was going yeah. really quickly, but I kind of thought it was appropriate for that scene. Okay. It was just, I'm like, I'm sure his thoughts are racing and her thoughts are racing and right. there's a lot going on. So it makes sense that there's a, there's not just like stillness or um, more time between those cuts. Yeah. That makes sense. So I kept it at a nine because I'm like, I like it. Even if it wasn't done for that reason, I like it for that reason. Okay, yeah. But yeah, otherwise, I didn't notice much 
I like that. The editing it was done. Yeah. In a good way. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I guess that's actually pretty much all all I had to say about editing. Like, it's another one of those categories I really liked it, but I don't have a ton of specifics to say about it. Um, was there anything else you'd like to add? No, thank you. <laughs> all right. Uh, what was your total score for editing special effects? My total was another 9.1. Wow. I gave it a 7.9. Exceeds expectations. Okay, in the same ballpark. All right, so that's going to bring us to the sound category. Um, and this one, pretty much the, quite possibly the only thing really of note that I have is the uh, the Philip Glass score, which, which I really liked. Um, he's one of those people, he wasn't really on my radar until like a month ago when I reviewed The Truman Show with my sister. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to start looking out for, for more. I mean, he's, he's done a lot of scores, but I just, he's never been on my radar before. And then I immediately saw his name in the credits. I was like, oh, I know that name now. <laughs> and so, um, I, Truman score is still the, the Truman score. The Truman show score <laughs> is uh, a lot better. But I thought the music overall was was very appropriate and helped tell the story. Um, I, I gave it an 8.5. I would have given it probably a 9.5. Um, not a perfect time, but I would have given it pretty close. Um, but my only issue um, just goes by, I keep harping on it, and um, I probably should have taken more specific notes because I'm not sure I'm even quite saying what I mean to say. But just the... Um, the, the sinisterness, if that's even quite the right word, I'm not sure, um, within Julianne, or uh, Laura, <laughs> so I'm not going to do it again, <laughs> with her scenes, um, and I think the score plays a really big role in um, just setting a, a tone with those, and maybe it's just, maybe I just have a dark mind in my immediate thoughts, like, she's got to kill the kid, but like, just, just those scenes were so intense and so um villainizing is a little strong i don't think it was that's quite the right word um and i think sinister isn't quite the right word either but there's just something um it's very ominous yeah maybe that's the best word um which obviously i mean she does almost attempt suicide like there is um there is reason for the ominousness but uh, it just felt more like, like, what is she going to do to the kid? What is she going to do? And, and obviously she's pregnant at the time too, which makes it even more, um, even more tense. But um, I don't know. So I think just the, the way the score played into those scenes um, could could have been maybe a little more sympathetic to her character instead of um, having that sinister vibe of like, like, oh, what is she going to do? And instead of making us afraid of what she might do, to, to like her kid and or her, both of her kids, you know, her unborn kid and her son, um, you know, it made it a little more personal of like, well, how is like, what does this affect her? Like, what it just seems so much about the kid, which again, it, you know, going back upon a second viewing, that would have more meaning because we know who the kid is growing up. Um, but it just seemed so much about her as a mother and what she's going to do to the kids and less about her as someone suffering from mental illness and what did that do to her um and i'm going off on a whole diatribe that's kind of reiterating stuff i've already said so i'll stop now um but i guess just 
I felt like the score played a really big role in that, which is why I knocked it down from what probably would have been closer to a 9.5, um, and I knocked it down to an 8.5. I, I went all the way and gave it 10 out of 10. Yeah. Because I loved the way that the music acted almost as the dialogue. Okay, and that makes sense. It helped narrate what was going on in each scene where there, you know, a lot of the scenes where uh, Wolf is sitting trying to write or um, when Laura is off doing whatever. I thought it worked, worked, I thought it worked really well to um, play off of the anxiety this character was going through. There's a lot of times where the music exactly like you're saying it felt like there was something looming that there was some impending doom and that's exactly how like anxiety feels like there's like this you're having an anxiety attack it feels like there's some you know looming danger some impending doom and i felt like this score really helped mirror what she was going through and made the scenes more tense that way instead of her running around being like i'm having anxiety attacks right yeah makes sense yeah so and then there were times where i'm just like oh there's music playing oh my goodness like it just feels like it it just fits so well and that it didn't it, it didn't distract it just made it feel took me deeper into the world yeah i think that's really about all i had to say i feel i always feel bad when i don't have anything to say about like sound design and sound mix like i know there's a lot of other aspects to sound design aside from the music um but with this movie at least with with what i observed with the first viewing um i didn't really find much of note within any of those subcategories yeah i ended up giving sound mix a nine okay because i know they used a lot of adr for this okay and there were only a few times where i was like oh that's that's clearly adr and yeah it just felt a little bit um removed from the scene itself mm-hmm. i think there's a scene where oh it's the scene where kidman's walking down the street headed to the park bench oh yeah and like it makes sense that they would have to go in and right had that over it but and was it when John C. O'Reilly's character was talking to the kid at dinner about how he met mom? Um, I read somewhere that he would told him some other like story to get his interest, and they oh, went yeah, over. I think I, and... Yeah, I think I read that too. I think he told Jack and the Beanstalk or something. Yeah. Where did I read that? Because I didn't even think I read any trivia for this movie. But Everyone I knows did. this. <laughs> it's just ubiquitous. It's the one thing people know with the hours. It's the nose and Jack and the Beans. <laughs> but yeah, like they went over and put, you know, they had to do ADR for that. And I didn't notice it. I was like listening. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, wow. That's amazing. Yeah. So, and I'm sure other scenes had it because what movie doesn't? Right. Yeah. Uh, especially with the dialogue being so scarce in it that they probably needed to, you know, they wanted it perfectly or maybe didn't get it quite perfect the first take or... Yeah. Not the first take, but when they finished rap from words, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, like there's not much to say only because they did it so well and there's 
there weren't, you know, huge fight scenes or a lot of special effects like you were saying earlier. Yeah. So there's not that big concern of there's no weird sounds in it to like that, that stand out. Right, yeah. It's very mundane scenes and mundane yeah. sounds. Makes sense. Alright, uh what was your final score unless there's anything you want to add? There's nothing I can think of. So right. I ended up with a nine point six. Wow, that's quite a bit higher than mine. <laughs> mine was a 6.7, uh, which still does exceed expectations, um, but is quite a bit lower. <laughs> I just, I, re- I do love this movie, so. Yeah. I think had I known more about the, the ADR and things like that, I probably would have bumped up, um, at least the overall sound mix. Um, I probably would have bumped up a little bit, but... I'm on a streak of not changing anything, so I guess I'll leave it. <laughs> and like, what was it, was 6.5? Uh, 6.7. 6.7. So that still exceeds its expectations. Exactly, yeah. There's no shame in that. Yeah, still solid. <laughs> they have their Oscars. They don't think they can be fine with the 6.7. Exactly. <laughs> All right, so that's going to bring us to the next category, which is going to be aesthetics. Um, <laughs> I think one of the um top things that people talk about we've definitely already mentioned um and that's the the makeup the shoes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but i thought i gave i easily gave makeup a 10 out of 10 uh not just because of the um obviously the prosthetic nose but also just uh, i mean like i was saying like with nicole kidman like i'm sure she's wearing a lot of makeup but it doesn't look like it like it's a very natural look and um, so I, I appreciate that and, and thought they did a really good job of it and um and then like the comparison and sorry the compare slash contrast aspect I'm losing my words apparently but it, the uh seeing Tony Collette and Julianne Moore like side by side in that one scene where it's like Tony Collette is like the perfectly made up like bright red lipstick perfectly done 50s hair and the super 50s outfit and then you see julianne moore with like she still has some makeup on but she's definitely more drab in comparison yeah i think she's still in her bathroom yeah i think you're right she might have been yeah Uh, so it's definitely a a very big contrast between the two um and then as the scene goes on it's like well they're really not very different (laughs) they still have they both have their problems and they're both you know, going through life's issues and going through it in different ways. And um, so I thought that the use of uh, both makeup and costume and hair, I guess, all three of those aesthetics, um, I thought were just used to, to full effect there. Um, and yeah, this is just a, a very strong category for me overall. I, I really liked the, um, pretty much all of the aesthetics I thought were very strong. Yeah, the lowest I went was a nine and that was first heads and locations. Okay. And that was just, again, there was, I think it was like, what was her name? Clarissa? It was either Clarissa's or Richie's, and just like, it feels like it could have a little something extra somewhere in there. Yeah. Just felt a little, I don't know, too steady. Yeah. I also, um, Sets and Locations was my lowest as well, which I still gave an 8 out of 10 to. 
um, but it was for pretty much the exact same reason. Like, I love the, like, Virginia Woolf scenes, I like the sets and locations there, and I love the 50s scenes, and then the modern day scenes were, I mean, they were still good, they weren't bad, but didn't go above and beyond, and, and it's pretty much the only thing keeping that subcategory from a perfect 10. Um, you know, I think too steady, I think is, is a great way of putting it. Like it just wasn't quite there. Yeah. It was close, but. Yeah, and like with the, um, the Flora's house, um, it made sense because that's kind of the way they introduced it was very Stepford house or Stepford wives. That kind of needs to be cookie cutter. Yeah. And so it made sense that there wasn't much clutter of needed to look very crisp and clean unlike Virginia Woolf's house when the camera was like panning through that it looked lived in and well curated yeah and it looks like stuff Virginia Woolf would have had in her home and then like with with costumes I swear there are photos of my grandma that look exactly like um, you know like Tony Collette's character or the um, babysitter or yeah I'm like my grandma had that same hair, those shoes, that dress. She had all of that yeah. in front of that house. Yeah. <laughs> and with yeah. that car in the background. Yeah. It was just so much like attention to detail. And like there was a lot of wigs going on, but they were so time appropriate. I'm like, I don't care. This yeah. is like that was ridiculous hair. And yeah. <laughs> they shouldn't they shouldn't do it to their hair. They should put a wig on instead. <laughs> yeah. And like with Nicole Kidman, I like how that she, um, I think every project she does or like red carpet event, she always wears a wig. I think I've, I'm sure, I think you've told me that before. I think I've heard <laughs> If that. I say it enough, it must be true. <laughs> um, I just like love that even though she has like the most, you know, the simplest hair hairdo. Yeah. But it just, it looks so good and it just made sense and everything looked like that's the way it should look. Yeah. Yeah, with makeup, I only knocked it down a little bit because I felt they went over overboard with Richard. Um, That's fair. And like, again, we've seen the AIDS trope. Like, yeah. You can have AIDS and not look like you're about to die. Like. Right. Yeah. I considered giving it, because um, I gave makeup a perfect 10, and that was the one area where I considered, um, or the, the one reason I considered knocking it down. But yeah, the only reason I, I still kept it at a 10 is because I really liked the the old person makeup on Julia Moore at the end, which I know, like, if, if there's a weakness, it shouldn't be a perfect 10. I probably should have gone, like, 9.5, because um, I absolutely agree. Um, but I feel like old person makeup is so easy to mess up and so often gets messed up and I thought that they did a pretty decent job it looks so good yeah um and, the, and I don't know like the prosthetic nose has just become such a it's like ingrained in pop culture weirdly yeah. um so I felt like there were enough positives um that I kind of bypassed that a little bit um by still giving it a perfect 10 but and like yeah, that could I, be like props too. Or not props. I guess that would be makeup. I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> Please ignore me. <laughs> yeah, so I still gave I gave all of the um character aesthetics, hair, makeup, and costumes, all three I gave perfect tens to. And I feel like costumes, that's another one I probably could have gone 
a little lower on just because like the modern day costumes were kind of meh. But I felt like particularly with Virginia Woolf, I thought that like just I don't know. It's pretty. It's just such a interesting move, I guess, to take someone like Nicole Kidman and make her look so drab. Um, but it's. I mean, it's it's time appropriate. It's appropriate to Virginia Woolf. Like I looked at a couple pictures of Virginia Woolf, not too many, but I just pulled up a Google image search and it's like, yep, this all looks dead on. Uh-huh. And like some of her costumes were were kind of awkward. Like just very like didn't even quite match and just like. I don't know, like it was a very unique style, but perfectly appropriate. Um, so even though the, the more modern day stuff was pretty lackluster, um, I kind of ignored that for these categories because the, um, and, and the 50s stuff, I mean, I'm just a sucker for, for that time period. Um, so yeah, so I gave perfect 10s, even though the modern day stuff probably should have knocked all three of those down a little. Yeah, with... Um back to costumes um one thing i noticed was uh wolf laura and richard um they spend a good part of the movie either in their bathrobes or in very loose clothing when everyone else around them is in very fitted stuff or dressed up yeah um and i liked that touch of of just having that very distinguished or distinguished but um this <laughs> is distinguished room um, <laughs> to distinguish between their their dress that way yeah especially like with the collect scene where she comes in and she looks like she's been getting ready for a while and yeah. laura is still in the bathrobe hair's not done it's just yeah <laughs> i don't know i just thought that was an interesting choice yeah I agree. Well, I do have to say about the nose, um, this was even an even more impressive performance for Kidman because I guess during the time they were filming, she was getting the divorce from Tom Cruise. Mm. And um, like, I'm a big fan of the Leah Remini show. I just um, started watching it. It's so good. It's, oh, <laughs> I, I didn't know I could love her even more yeah and i can yeah. <laughs> um they read me and yeah. um, like through that show like you see just how hard it is to like this to um remove yourself from scientology yeah and, like what that means for the family unit and mm-hmm. it's like so she's going through all this excommunication stuff along doing this and huh. I guess the paparazzi were, you know, of course, everywhere because that's a huge couple. And, yeah. And so she would wear the prosthetic nose in public and oh, people wow. would not recognize her. Yeah, even in the movie, it's hard yeah. to recognize her. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> huh. Everyone wants to make jokes with the nose, but they didn't okay. spot in public. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Um, I'm like, oh, that's a fun fact. The more you knows. <laughs> I'm so scared. I'm going to see myself out. <laughs> <laughs> I did also love, I mean, this is just, I talk about this a lot with like period piece films where just the aesthetic categories just get very, very high scores because I'm a sucker for, for all of it. But one of the things with props that, um, contributed pretty heavily to the high score that I gave it is uh the 50s of cars like I am not a car person even a little bit 
but there is something about like not even like in like in real life if I were to see like a, an antique car show I'd be like it's just a car like I don't really get it but there's something about like I mean it's like time travel I just, I'm getting really cheesy now but like it, it really feels like stepping back I mean obviously there's movies from that time period too but there's just something about you know seeing the cars and the outfits and the just the even the architecture like the house that they live in it's like man that is a 50s house and uh, just all of those just I don't know I, I just like 50s stuff apparently because it was just I, I don't even know how like period accurate it is. It's one of those things where like somebody who really knows their stuff could probably watch it and be like, you know, oh, that shouldn't be there. That didn't come around until 58 or like, oh, that was obsolete by 45, you know, and like, Absolutely. but as, as a, a novice who, I don't, I don't even know if you can call me a novice because that makes it seem like I know something about it and I, I don't know anything about it. Um, but I, I just loved all the, just the, and the same thing with the, the Virginia Woolf scenes. I'm not as big of a fan of like the early 20 uh, aesthetics, I guess, but the like 40s and 50s and 60s, I guess. Those three decades are like my jam. Like, I just I just think it's so aesthetically pleasing, I guess. Anyway, I'm going on a total side rant, but I really liked that aspect of the movie. <laughs> it was just pleasing to look at. Yeah, and there was like no mistaking which era you were in oh yeah absolutely and it just you just felt like you were there and yeah. like that's what's going on cool yeah absolutely yeah one fun thing like throughout all three stories was they had very muted color palettes like they all had like their own color palette but all of them were sort of muted yeah and the one thing that seemed most vibrant throughout all of them were the flowers oh yeah like if there was any vibrant color it was always a flower and i guess that was part of that was a virginia wolf trademark was that she would have like there were like three flowers that were always being like certain color order something like that but and then there's you know the um flower wallpaper all over laura's house and Mm. the flowers everywhere in streep's place and richard's home and i I like that touch yeah it added some nice like something visually stunning interesting i didn't notice the flowers but i i didn't put that together in quite the same way but that's interesting i like it uh was there anything else you wanted to add about aesthetics Nope. I think that's it for me. All right. Uh, what was your total score? My total was a 9.6. All right. Mine was a 9.4. Very close. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, so that's going to bring us to impact on film. So this one, um, I divide up into this critical impact, audience cult impact, and historical inspirational impact. And this one was kind of interesting because I wasn't quite sure what to expect when I did a little bit of research for it. Um, Critical Impact, I had a feeling it would be um, pretty high because I knew it was nominated for Academy Awards and things like that. Um, So I just I just looked up the Metacritic score um, because that's usually the easiest way to kind of gauge critical impact. Um, And it was an 80. So I gave it an eight. So that's not super exciting, but (laughs) that's exactly what I did. Yeah. 
wasn't sure how else to gauge it because I don't remember. Exactly, yeah. It's hard for, for certain types of movies, but Metacritic is a pretty solid source, so that's usually what I go to. Um, and then for audience cult impact, uh, I was actually expecting it to be fairly low, um, but when I looked around at uh, a couple of different aggregate sites and kind of converted an average together, it also came out to an 8 out of 10. Um, so I went ahead and went with that. And then for historical and inspirational impact, this one, um, I just kind of guessed and just kind of came up with something. Um, so I gave it a 5 out of 10. I feel like um, as far as historical impact, it probably doesn't have too much, if any, of one. Aside from, I mean, I guess being a biopic, you could kind of argue that it has um, historical impact in that it teaches you about history and gets people engaged in, in learning about history and literature. So that um, probably accounts for maybe one or two points of the five. Um, but then the rest is just, um, well, I guess, I guess I lied, but I guess the inspirational impacts I included in that, um, you know, getting interested in history, getting interested in literature. Um, I think that's uh, one of the, um, Sorry, I'm like losing my train of thought. I've been talking for too long, I think. <laughs> I think um, one of the important functions of film is educational in a way. I mean, not that I think all films need to be educational or should be educational. Um, and I don't even know that I would necessarily call this film in and of itself educational. But the fact that, at least for me watching it, I'm like, well, now I want to go learn more about Virginia Woolf. Um, still don't want to go and read her stuff because I really hated it to the White House. It was not my thing. Um, Orlando might not be your jam either. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, so you know, it definitely has, has that going for it. And then it also, um, even though I feel like it, it could have done a much better job at times, um, it is a movie that has mental illness at the forefront and gets at least some sort of conversation going about, you know, depression, suicide, bipolar disorder, I think is what the general consensus is for what Virginia Woolf had. Um, although that wasn't a term I don't think they had yet, or at least they didn't have treatments for it yet. Um, so, you know, it gets people talking about that and thinking about that um, in, in positive ways, I think. Um, not as positive as it could have been. I feel like it, it could have done a little bit of a better job. But overall, I think it's it's still important to have films with these topics and to get people talking about it and to, to erase the taboo of mental illness I think is is phenomenally important yeah. um so that was one of the biggest things that went into to my score for that all right um I kind of followed a similar suit for the audience cult impact where I looked at a lot of audience scores and saw that it was pretty high and then added on a few more for the nose because <laughs> like you really you honestly couldn't go anywhere without hearing a joke about the nose for a while it was everywhere yeah so i put that up to a 10 okay because i'm like yeah there's people love it and at the time it made a, it was very topical fair enough um for the historical inspirational impact i put six um where i'm like Kind of like you're saying, it could in get someone interested in Virginia Woolf, or um, maybe, I don't know, learn more about her, but you at least might get some insights um, 
as part of her prep work, Nicole Kidman wrote a lot of her letters and oh, wow. um, of a, other correspondences. Maybe those are just letters um, <laughs> to kind of like figure out what her like what her approach to things were and yeah. her relationships and just the way she handled things. Yeah. Um, and so there's at least that that she tried to be very truthful to. Yeah. Awesome. Um, but like there's, I think there was maybe 30 ish minutes of screen time we spend with Wolf. Oh, that's it. Yeah. Wow. So you don't get to see much of, you know, much of Wolf. It's, yeah. Mostly what Wolf was, was creating. Right. Um, but maybe it'll get someone interested in the book or something, something. <laughs> yeah. But, like, it wasn't a biopic, like you're saying. It wasn't diving into things that we didn't really know. It was... Right. I mean, maybe, I don't... Maybe it was, like, speculative historical fiction. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're like, this seems like something she would... Vanessa would be up to. <laughs> Why not? Um, so my three scores for that one averaged out um, actually to an even seven for impact on film. Okay, so mine was an even eight. All right. Yeah. All right, so that's going to bring us to overall enjoyment. Uh, what was your score for overall enjoyment? Eight, ten. All right. I went into this remembering um, a very enjoyable viewing of it the first time around and it didn't disappoint. Um, I noticed things I didn't the first time and got to enjoy them a little bit more this time around. Okay. Um, I forgot that the last two stories were intertwined. Or oh, the, wow. Yeah. The Clarissa and Laura stories. Yeah. Um, so that was a fun thing to experience again. Um, but yeah, I just loved it. All right. I gave it um, a little bit lower. I gave it a 7 out of 10. <laughs> so it still exceeds my expectations. I still enjoyed the movie quite a bit. Um, I think the things that kept it from from getting into the more outstanding range. Um, I, I really think it just comes out. I'm not going to harp on it too much more because I've said it so many times. But just some of the scenes with with Julianne Moore's character, I just feel like could have been done a little differently. And it really, um, I think it just, it just rubbed me the wrong way. And I, I interpreted it differently than, than maybe most people. It seems like my brain went to a, a more dark place than other people's. Um, so it's probably on me more than the filmmakers. Um, but that was just kind of my interpretation of those scenes that, it, that definitely knocked it down a little bit. And then also um, just the, present day scenes I just wasn't that into that like, like I really liked the Virginia Woolf scenes I really liked about 80% of the uh Julianne Moore scenes and then um you know then there's the Meryl Streep scenes which which weren't it's not like I was bored it's not like I was looking at my watch you know it was still I was still engaged in the story I just wasn't like oh man I can't wait to get back to her yeah whereas like it was the opposite when it was a Meryl Streep scene I was like man I want to just I want to get back to Virginia Woolf I want to get back to Laura <laughs> you know I want to get back to these characters because I just found them much more engaging yeah and the wonderful part of that was because um, the street story was modern and so it's not um, there's not the um, like the, the, the classic look 
of like the 20s or the 50s that yeah. were stunning and they really embraced in the other two stories. So I wonder if that was be, part of it. But that, that could be a very big part of it. Yeah. It just looks like, oh, that just looks like my neighbor's house. Like Exactly. And then to have, have Meryl Streep and it's like, oh, it's another Meryl Streep movie where she's a modern go-getter business lady. <laughs> like we've seen this before. Um, which I really try. Like, I, I like Meryl Streep just fine, and she's obviously very talented. Um, I try not to look at movies, like, with a modern eye. Like, I try to, to be like, okay, this was Meryl Streep when she was still pretty solid. Like, this was before the Oscar nomination every year phase of her life. You know, like, it was close to that. And maybe even this was the start of it. I don't know. But, like, I just feel like she just phones it in <laughs> later movies or whatever but I don't know <laughs> but yeah so I definitely I did enjoy it and I, I really liked the the two uh non-Meryl Streep storylines um but yeah that's that's probably the biggest reason that it, it didn't get a perfect 10 for me that seems fair uh did you give the hours any extra credit I gave it three pieces of extra credit which came to 1.5 points okay me too actually oh <laughs> uh what were what were your things i am trying to remember points two and three <laughs> yeah um if you want to go i'll try my best <laughs> in the time to all right fair enough um so the first thing of extra credit um i <laughs> It's interesting because you you covered this in the impact on film section and I gave extra credit for it. But I literally wrote cultural impact of Nicole Kidman's nose. <laughs> 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 I mean, it did. Like, for all the reasons you were saying, it uh, took on a life of its own and it was everywhere. It was a piece of... Like, I mean, like I said, I was like 14, 15, however old I was in, in 2002. And, and even I was like picking up on these things when I was not uh, very entertainment news savvy at that age. Like I was very in my own little bubble and very much so about TV, not so much movies. And, and even I knew all about Nicole Kidman's nose. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so that definitely gave it some extra credit. Um, the other, uh, or the second thing of extra credit was for, uh, <laughs> which is, this is pretty silly, but for the, the 30 Rock joke that I mentioned earlier, <laughs> the hours, more like the weeks, just, <laughs> 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 I, I don't know what that even has to do with this movie. I don't know why I would give it extra credit, but I did. Um, and I don't regret it. <laughs> and, um, and then the third one, I gave it extra credit because uh, it's a scene that felt really out of place so I didn't feel like bumping up like camera work or things like that and actually this would probably be a special effect I would imagine um, but it just because it felt so out of place in the movie I didn't quite feel right bumping up any of the scores in the grid but I liked it a lot regardless of being so out of place so I gave it extra credit for it and that's going to be the scene um 
with Julianne Moore when she's in the hotel and it's like the moment when she's like, no, I can't do this. And you see like the water flood the room and then she like wakes up or whatever. And it's a really gorgeous scene and really uh, like the, the metaphor or, or symbolism of like feeling like you're drowning and feeling like you're underwater. Like that's very common um, descriptors of, of depression and mental illness is just that you know, feeling of submission to this thing that is going to destroy you in a lot of ways, you know, like that. So I, I really liked the symbolism and just the way it was shot was absolutely gorgeous. Um, but like, it, it just didn't really fit with the rest of the movie in a lot of ways, which is why I didn't bump up anything else in the grid. But it was really, um, I really liked it. So I gave an extra credit is how I decided to navigate that. <laughs> Yeah, they actually used river water to flood it, so it was kind of a little bit foreshadowing too, huh. or at least you not know, foreshadowing because we know what's happening, but yeah. a nod to um, to Wolf's fate. Interesting. So they actually like went to a river and got water. I guess, or they they had hmm. a tank of it somehow. Huh. Yeah, I guess. It was very specific. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it looked gorgeous. Did you think of your things? I didn't think of the other two. Oh, no. But, um, so two points just because, great movie, high five. Um, <laughs> and one point for Margot Martindale. I just, like, I, I can't get enough of her. Yeah. She's one of those character actresses that I'm just like, yes. Yeah. Anything you're in. I think the BoJack <laughs> like cemented my just my passion for seeing her in everything yeah where she just plays this like just like hardcore version of herself <laughs> yeah who will like cut you <laughs> <laughs> yeah and like to like that and i'm obsessed with the americans and she's great on that so yeah just like oh yes <laughs> get, get, get more money yeah. Do it, Margo. <laughs> yeah. And it's just a fun name to say. Indeed. You can't say it with this with a with an angry face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I guess the other two can just go to like casting because they had so many huge names in this. Oh yeah. But there didn't seem to be someone that was a scene stealer or stub cast. It right. just felt well balanced. Yeah, I agree. I'm, I'm happy with my two points going there. <laughs> Fair um, enough. I'm sure it's just as good as where I originally planned for it to go. <laughs> Can't argue with that. <laughs> uh, all right, so I guess that brings us to total scores. What was your total score for the hours? A 91.16. Wow. That is very high. Mine <laughs> uh, came out to a 78.2. So still exceeds expectations and is on the higher end of that, getting close to outstanding. Oh yeah, those are those are close. Yeah, um, yeah, I feel pretty good about that score. Uh, well, was there anything else you'd like to to add about this movie before we wrap it up? I am very happy with what we covered. Me too. <laughs> well, thank you for having me. It was a pleasure being here. Yeah, thank you for for being a guest. This was great. I can't wait for the next one. So that's going to wrap it up for our discussion of the hours. Uh, be sure to tune in next week. We're going to be back 
And then uh, for any X-Files fans out there, uh, there is now a separate podcast that Tristan and I are doing called The X-Files on the Grid. Uh, we just posted our pilot episode, um, reviewing, of course, the pilot episode of X-Files. Uh, and then we're going to be starting with uh, season one, episode two is going to be posted on July 8th. So keep an eye out for that as well. Uh, if you're interested in learning more about the Gritty Films Grid rating system, be sure to check that out over at grittyfilms.com slash the grid. And that's Gritty Films spelled G-R-I-D-D-Y. And uh, you can also check out our Patreon account uh, over at patreon.com slash grittyfilms. And uh, if you could be so kind as to leave a, a review and rating on iTunes, that would be amazing and help us get more listeners. Uh, so that would be uh, super, super awesome and greatly appreciated. Uh, so I think that is going to wrap everything up. Uh, we'll see you next time.